listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Land. Welcome to this special episode of GP Life Hacks, the preparation to internship special. Pause for applause. Okay, so this is basically just how to be a rock star intern and not be that guy in the wards where it was like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you for everybody coming. The rule number one is in your first week, especially, people will try to make everything your fault. But 80% of the time, they are wrong, at least, probably even more than that. Okay, so as bad as it is, because bullying culture is bad and we're one of the last industries that really has that kind of incumbent still, don't take it personally. Because the first thing we've been trained to do since medical school is like every time there's been an adverse outcome, think, oh, what did I do wrong to make this adverse outcome? When in actual fact, even if there was a system failure, it was not your failure. It was a failure of the system or failure of supervision. Second tip generally speaking, is people will lie to you and tell you internship is just a paperwork job. You just got to get through internship and then the good stuff comes and you can choose a specialty, et cetera, et cetera. That's all lies. That's what the chumps do. You as a rockstar intern will take the opportunity to, just as we've always been doing, learn and have fun. Treat internship as a whole series of opportunities that you may never get to do again. So, therefore, the paperwork bit is actually the least bang for buck bit. Yes, it's a necessity of internship, but that's not what you should be trying to get the most out of your internship. You should be trying to get the fun clinical stuff. Uh, Do be doing as many minor ops as procedures as possible, even if it's something in the specialty that you're probably not going to end up doing. Because like I said, even for funsies sake, like for example, as an intern, I got to take out tonsils under supervision. So, actually, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, and you know, my surgical reg, who was actually now the visiting ENT here, he said to me, you know, that's great because you go into GP. So that skill actually have no practical application in your chosen profession, but how cool you just did surgery on somebody like you might never get the chance to do that again. So I highly recommend to take those opportunities one, because in terms of life opportunities, it's a cool thing to do that you might not get back. And also number two, they're all opportunities to learn and you never know what might come useful in the future. Finally, the third blanket golden rule is if you get asked to do something as an intern, which doesn't make sense, don't just jump into the task. Ask your direct supervisor or direct senior. Sorry, that doesn't make sense. And usually it's not because you're a dumb intern that doesn't know anything, but quite often it's actually because, well, those instructions actually weren't very clear or sensical but nobody stopped to think about it because the number of times an intern just blindly goes, yep, no worries, boss, I'll go into it. And then they actually get halfway into the task and it's just leading nowhere because it was a fool's errand in the first place is actually quite high. So don't ever hesitate to, even if you are attached to the scrumpiest surge reg ever to stop and ask for clarification. So we're going to organize things just like everything in the life of medicine in priorities, because there's just not enough hours in the day to ever do everything that you ever want to do in medicine. So Internship is all about priorities and we're going to go from what is your most priority uh, to your least priority. And if you do that across your internship, you can't go wrong. I'll ask Esther, who's special guest for today. What is the number one most day-to-day, week-to-week, most important priority as an intern? It's definitely not what you expect coming out of medical school, but the number one priority 
is make sure you submit your payslip on time. Yes, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Because bizarrely, that is the one thing that has no safety net. Everything else you do as an intern has a safety net. There will always be somebody double checking your work, any clinical decision you do, anything you write up prescription wise, there'll always be some pharmacist write, you know, did you mean to give them a hundred milligrams of amitriptyline instead of 10? There'll always be a safety net except for pay. If you don't chase up your own pay, nobody else will. So your number one priority above all else, life or death wise as an intern is to get your pay slip in on time. Hospitals work on a two-weekly billing cycle. So, the first thing you should do when you land on a new internship unit is to figure out how to get paid, <laughs> who to submit your payslip to. And from unit to unit, that will vary from, from unit to unit. It might be the senior reg. It might be the administrative assistant, et cetera, et cetera. Find out who that person is and when you need to submit the payslip. And usually, the safest thing to do is to submit the payslip on the night before or afternoon before the pay cycle. Saying so you have a buffer for if you broke the first rule and forgot about your own pay, then at least you have the next day to sort it out. Furthermore, it can be quite the rapport building tool because a lot of internship is also building rapport with those that you work with. And this rapport building tool is such one of the best ways to get your home team on side is to be the guy saying, has everybody else got their pay slips organized? The answer is no, because they're all busy medical surge regs that never ever remember unless somebody reminds them. So, if you're that guy to remind them, furthermore, hey, why don't I just take it down to the pay office for you? Then you're a legend. <laughs> you're that guy. Well done. So, that's number one priority. Thereafter, you could almost consider internship to be a game. So, the game of internship is to be called the least, least as possible. <laughs> And thereafter, other than pay, you can organize your life as per the rules of that game. The number one priority after making sure your pay slip goes in on time is calling for consults ahead of time. Because that in terms of time sensitivity, that's the most time sensitive role. I don't know. Do you disagree, Esther? No. Because the longer you leave it, the less likely they are to come and see your patient and it just holds everything else up. You can't move through your day. You can't do progress unless you've done those phone calls. So, in terms of how to call a specialty reg, Esther, what are your hot tips? I still get tongue-tied, so I write my own little is bar. Good. And as part of that, you tell them what you want from the get-go, whether yes. it's a phone consult or you want them to see the patient or an inpatient referral team to team, Yes. possibly for takeover of care. Yes. No one else likes to hear that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely right. Completely agree. And that's a good tip. So, to be honest, even now, I write down exactly word for word what I'm going to say before I make the phone call because the hot tip is it's on the phone. They can't see that you're reading off a script, <laughs> but that way you can't go wrong. Not to tell you all what to do, but I agree. I also have my own sort of is bar and it literally, I make every single phone call in this format. Step one is say who you are. So, start every phone call with hi, I am Esther. I am the Gen Med intern. Because if you don't introduce yourself, people get angry because they get confused really easily. Step number two is just confirm they are who you think they are because the number of times switch puts you through to the wrong person mm -hmm. or you're calling a team with three regs that all have different roles from day to day, one for ward consults, one for emergency consults and one for phone advice is quite high. So, I would start off every conversation. Hi, I'm David. I'm the Gen Med intern. Can I just confirm that you are the on-call respiratory registrar. 
Step number three is, as Esther said, tell them exactly what you want in the first sentence. And actually speaking, it's only ever going to be one of five things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's either going to be, hi, I'm David, I'm the Gen Med intern. I was wondering if I could please talk to you about an admission, if you're calling from an ED. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm David. I'm wondering if I could please talk to you about an inpatient review. Number three is, I don't necessarily think they need an admission or an inpatient review even, but can I at least get some phone advice? Okay. And if you get that sorted out right from the get-go, people are way less angry. Number four is a combination of when you're just generally not sure. So, you'd literally phrase it like that. I'm not sure whether this person needs a face-to-face review from you on the ward or just phone advice. Can I at least tell you the story and I'll be guided by you? I like the phrase like, I think they might have some complex ex issues. Hmm. Yeah. Therefore, I'm not sure whether they need inpatient review or phone advice. Can I tell you the story and I'll be guided by you? And number five is more just to your home team registrar, which is, well, you know, this one you have to think, should I just be just calling a met call? But there are some where you're like, oh, sorry, they're sick. Can you come now? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the story on the way. Mm-hmm. If you can get that part down, which they teach you so poorly in medical school, you pretty much get internship. The other hot tip I have for um, asking for consults is when you're on the ward round and then consultants who are giving you the plan they often think out loud, but not in certainties. Like, oh yeah, they've got this like heart like failure thing. Maybe we should see, like, ask for this. And then ask them, like, at the end of the round, so do you want me to call? And then I always ask them, what is our clinical question? Yes. Because you are asking them, because if you're just like, I have a guy with heart failure and I don't know what to do, yes. then the cardiology <laughs> register is going to think you're an idiot. But if you're like, mm. no, our specific question is optimization of their heart failure meds. Or they're on this like thingy, but it's contraindicated by this new issue. Mm. So make so ask them for what the clear clinical question is. Yeah. And my other hot tip is sometimes the clinical question won't make sense, and then you can uh, just yep. do the double check thing <laughs> that they talk to you about for closed loop communication. And if the consultant still wants it, I include that in my referral sentence of. I know this isn't really like an important thing, but my consultant really wanted me to get this consult. Yep. So, we're right back to ask clarification if it doesn't make sense because if you think, even as the intern, if you feel like it doesn't make sense, it probably because it doesn't make sense because it's missing a key part of clinical information or question. Mm-hmm. But just to sum up, every phone call should literally go, hi, my name is David. I'm on GenMed team. Can I confirm that you're the rest registrar on call? Great. Tell them what you want. I would like to talk to you about an inpatient review. Can I tell you this person's story? Pause for effect and that gives them the opportunity to say, sorry, you've got the totally wrong person. <laughs> Call such and such or yes, go ahead. Or if it's in the middle of the night, hang on, let me just wake up. Okay, now go. <laughs> All right. Tell them the story and then as Esther said, end every phone call with, I would literally use those words. So, my specific question is, <laughs> given that they have dot, 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 would I still use IV Ben Pen and Doxy for this pneumonia or should I be using some sort of other antibiotic given their antibiotic allergy Mm -hmm. or i put them on the optimal puffers for copd but they're still having symptoms my specific question is what would you therefore recommend that's the other thing with regard to phone calls one of the most intimidating things to do as an intern making that phone call is have a go at the plan saying i would have thought that this would be the good management but what do you think okay and that's quite intimidating because you're like i'm an intern i don't know anything i'm certainly not that specialty part of that specialty. So, what would I know? The short answer is actually you probably are on the right track. I would just always give it a go. 
because you're either otherwise already right and they'll respect that and say, yeah, good. You clearly know what you're doing and worthwhile talking to. So, I'll say that is the right plan of management or you'll tickle their ego because it actually legitimately is a really hard question. (laughs) You know, I want to start penicillin, but they have anaphylaxis to penicillins. I read somewhere that moxifloxacin would be the go. What do you think? And they'd be like, oh, yes, I have done, you know, very, you know, I'm only one of 10 people that have done research on this. So, I'm very glad you asked and tickled my ego. Let's go from here. Okay. So, that's your hardest job as an intern, but actually your most urgent job as an intern. So, it's important that you get that right. And if you get that part right, you pretty much get internship. My other two minor points for that is also don't be dismayed if they interrupt you. And sometimes they interrupt you in a positive way because they'll be like, yeah, we'll come see. And you're like, oh, I read this whole isba and I just told you the presenting complaint and you're coming to see, which is great. They're coming to see. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like, even if they interrupt you, you're like, oh, well, what's the point of preparing? It does mean that you know the patient better and that patient's going to therefore get better care. Yep. Because you as the home team doctor aren't going to miss the small things because you yep. have to check it. Yep. I will say it's not common, but sometimes they just interrupt you because they're jerks. They're jerks and they're lazy or they're just stressed. And it tends to be the ones that are jerks and more interrupty tend to be the more junior registrars. And underpinning it all is they're just as scared as you, but they can't act scared because they're the specialty <laughs> junior specialty registrar uncalled. Mm-hmm. So, if they interrupt you, sometimes it's just because they're being a jerk. And that's why I also like to write things beforehand because if they startle me with an interruption, then I'll just start... Reading off the sheet mm. and then I'll keep going regardless of being phased. Final hot tip before you call a specialty registrar. It's a very easy thing, particularly when you're in surgical ward round, you're going 30 seconds per patient, it's the lightning round and then the reg turns around and it's like, okay, call up thou for that patient. Okay, bye now, I'm going to theatre. And they'll do it so like off the cuff as if it's just such an easy, quick thing to do, but sometimes it's a trap and it's not that easy. And so I would say anytime you call, take a step back and go, if I was this specialty registrar, what key pieces of information would I absolutely need to know to make a decision on it, okay? And then go back and do a focused history and exam so, I would recommend you actually go back because that's the other rookie error. You go see them as a big group with your consultant, but you're actually describing everything. So, you can't even remember what the patient looks like because you were at the back of the queue the whole time. And then when you have to call, you don't even remember anything about them because to be honest, you haven't actually really assessed the patient at all. So, I would get into the habit early on of it will feel like you have no time and everybody's trying to get you to do everything at once, but we're right back to this is the most time-sensitive, important job, so do it right. So, anytime you get asked by your registrar to call a specialty team, I would actually physically go back and have a brief convo with that patient and briefly assess them. Little things like, you know, one time I registrar called and said like, oh yeah, no worries, just call Res, uh, he'll need a bronch. He's got a mass lesion in the chest x-ray. Just call rest and get a bronch. And I thought, that's pretty straightforward. He's got a mass lesion. He needs a bronch. So, I called, hi, Ress. He's got a mass lesion. He needs a bronch. And they're like, yep, no worries. Is he a smoker? Uh, <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware. Are you not aware because you didn't ask? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Yes. So, we're right back to have a think. If you were that specialty registrar, what would you definitely want to know? The number of times I was holding the cardiology phone. Okay, yep, no worries. What is the ECG show? Um, <laughs> why are you calling cards without an ECG? Like, you know, or also, okay, is he right or left-hand dominant? Uh, like same thing, okay? So, just have a think because it's literally only like four or five things per specialty mm-hmm. that they want to know and they kind of almost, you don't even need to know about any of the other stuff. 
So that's calling for specialty consults and that's your most time sensitive job as an intern other than pay slips on the day. In terms of the game, what is the second most urgent thing that needs to be done as an intern to win the game and not be called? Discharges? Yes, making sure people are ready for discharge. But what do we mean specifically by that? Uh, so that if they're meant to be discharged that morning, yep. they've got all their meds and their summary all organized so they can't actually leave. Pretty much. And that probably is, I would say, in terms of winning the game, that is your second most time sensitive job when the morning begins. Other than specialty consults is making sure the discharges are all set. And really, there's only two aspects to that. It's number one, making sure their discharge medicines are all ready to go or discharge scripts are all ready to go. And number two, but that's kind of variable and less important, making sure their discharge summary is ready to go. Having said that, it tends to be if they're not going home, but they're going to some sort of other healthcare institution, they need some sort of something on paper with some form of summary of something in terms of discharge plan. Discharge medication wise, if you're on a medical ward, you'll tend to have advanced notice. It will it'll be rare on a medical ward. They'll be like, all of a sudden, okay, that guy can go like now. And you've only just met him. That rarely happens on a medical ward because they like time to muse and stuff like that. And the average medical admission is for you know several days up to a week. So anytime you have um, heads up that they're going home tomorrow or the day after, make it a point to have the discharge script faxed to pharmacy the night before. You will get caught out and there'll be somewhere it's just randomly discharged. Like I literally just met you and now you're going home. See you later. And then all of a sudden it's my job to do your discharge medications, even though I've only just met you. You make the call. If you're on a medical ward, I probably, because you take so long to round on each patient, I probably would not necessarily say I'll come back at the end of the round and do it because then nursing will call you every five seconds until it's done and you're still rounding hours later. So if it's a medical ward round, I would actually just say, oh boss, I'll catch up with you as you're walking towards the next patient. I'm just gonna quickly sort out the discharge. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's a surgical round, I probably would just say to nurses, I'm sorry, I'll be back in five minutes after the round, just sit tight. Okay. That's discharge medications. In terms of discharge summaries, If they're going to another kind of healthcare location, so back to a nursing home or back to a step-down facility, care facility or transfer another hospital, they probably do need something in writing. The neat little trick, unless Esther, the computers have changed, is they just need anything in writing. You don't need it to be... And then I think the biggest thing for interns are like, oh, how do I write a discharge letter if I've only just come into this person's care and what if I'm missing stuff and that person dies because of something that happened not on my watch and intern changeover and I didn't document it and the coroner comes after me. Will never happen. Mm-hmm. What's the most important part of a discharge summary in all honesty? Why did they come to The hospital? plan. <laughs> not even. I don't even think it is, Esther. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's more like the diagnosis and plan. I think... Yeah. He's right. I think it's quite literally the plan. So literally, if you had a child's drawing of a horse or whatever, and then the plan, that would be a good discharge summary. Okay. So it's literally when they get to that destination, what needs to be done. Mm, yeah. Okay. And it'll be stuff like, okay, going to nursing home, plan, you know, increase levetiracetam. I can't say it. Kepra <laughs> to one gram BD as opposed to 500 BD or plan for nursing home, five days of Kefalex and oral, something like that. Okay, Mm. so as long as you have that on a piece of paper ready to go with them, then you will win the game. Okay, the other hot tip for discharge summaries is you don't have to finalize it. You can just press the I button. Can you still do that? They can distribute interims. Mm. Interim summary. Okay, so that's my hot tip with discharge summaries because too many interns stress out and then they end up never ever having the discharge summaries ready on time and stressing out. It takes all day because they're too afraid to hit the 
don't worry, just press the I button so it doesn't finalize, but at least you have something on paper, okay? So that's discharges. Esther's brought up that another priority in terms of time sensitivity will be, do I or do I not give these, you know, medication reviews? What's what's your approach then to the, when nurse says like, should we or should we not give this medication to the patient you don't know? Well, that's why when you're on the round, I like read through the chart and just quickly check if there's any review mm. boxes and then don't let them leave. And the other thing is also the yellow and red zone OBS because like it's a very algorithmic system. And they say like, yeah, interns can't do mods, but you can do mods for someone else. So I often ask on the round being like, hey boss, they've been like this. Fair points. Can we mod for it? And then I write it with them witnessing. Yep, okay. Yeah. Then no one comes and bothers you later. Okay, so good tips. So anytime you visit a patient, you make it a point to get into the habit of checking for reviews on the med charts or red and yellow stuff and asking people on the round. Yeah. Fair point. Okay, very good. Because otherwise the- I find they often come by me afterwards and be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next most time sensitive job as an intern? So we've got most sensitive is calling for consults. Uh, discharges. Discharges, checking the boxes mm-hmm. per patient. What do you reckon is the next most time sensitive thing? Like ordering things? Yes. Yes. Like scans? Yes, ordering scans. Okay, so that's the next most time sensitive job. And it's kind of the same rules, isn't it? So if you're in a surgical ward round, you can probably wait to the end of the round, i.e. in five minutes time, (laughs) and then go around and book everybody's scan. If it's a med round, you will die a horrible, slow, painful death if you wait (laughs) to the end of a ward round three hours later before you start booking scans because then nothing will get done and you've wasted a whole day Mm -hmm. for the team. So if that's the case and you're on a med team, as soon as you've seen the patient, and they've finished their musing, as they're walking off to the next patient, that's when you say, boss, I'll catch up to you. I'm just going to order these scans. Mm. And heard me say this, and it almost sounds comical, but the hot tip is it's also a good rapport building trick, ordering the scans, because as you say that, you will physically jog off (laughs) towards the ultrasound or CT department. And bizarrely- Internship. Be seen jogging. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even joking. The number of times I got in my feedback from the consultant, quick intern. This intern is really quick. And I found that was directly proportional to how many times they saw me <laughs> jog. Like physically move my body parts quickly. <laughs> it's also rapport building if it's you have a big enough team. Yeah. <laughs> if like, if you have a big enough team, peeling off is also rapport building because mm. then after the ward round, when you do the paper round, They'd be like, oh, this person has these things. And you'd be like, yep, I've already done, done it. And then everyone's yep. like, oh, thanks for doing that. Yep. And you're like, don't so- know anything about the next patient. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the greatest, most impressive things to do is say, boss, I'll catch up with you on the next patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to book these scans. Physically be seen jogging off and then magically reappear in front of them by the time they've walked and mused to the next patient. That just looks so impressive. And it doesn't matter if you miss a patient here and there in the ward round? It probably won't happen that often, to be quite honest, because we're talking about medical rounds, aren't we? Surgical rounds, you just wait to the end. Medical rounds, they'll be at the next patient for so long that you'll always come back while they're still on that same patient and just, sorry, guys, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, speaking of ordering scans, hot tip for SA is um, if they want an MRI, don't forget to get the consultant's signature on the MRI request before they leave. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So let's talk about ordering scans. 
we're really talking about CTs, MRIs and ultrasounds, aren't we? Because x-rays they'll just always do because it's just so quick and easy. Mm. Ultrasound, CT and MRI, you'll often have to go down in person to the CT, MRI or ultrasound reg respectively and plead your case. That's also hospital dependent. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes you can just write out the request form online and they'll just do it. Okay. If you do have to visit the CT reg or whatever reg to plead your case, I would say the following. On the form, give as much information as possible. One, it's good medicine because it will help the radiologist on the other end report it because they can't see the patient. Mm-hmm. So, literally all the exam findings. All, and then as, as with a phone consult, the most important thing is to have a clinical question on the end, i.e. query this, query this, query this. So, it's not good enough just to write CT head, seizures, that's it. You have to write, you know, query ICH, query space occupying lesion, query brain, whatever you want to write. Okay. The other thing that it's useful for is sometimes you as the non-radiology doctor don't know which is the best scan to answer your clinical question. Yeah. Mm. And including like there's, so for CT, there's lots of different views, there's different contrast filling phases. Mm. And then like usually it's like, say if you're ordering online, it's like a finite number of like drop down box of options. And sometimes you're like, wait, am I ordering this like CD plane, CT angiogram, CT cow, CT carotid, or like which components have to be in it? Mm. And then if you put in enough clinical details, the person on the other end kind of knows what you want and then they can rebook it for you as the thing you need. Yep. So the moral of the story is literally write everything on there, literally like fill up that little tiny clinical notes box and fill it up with question marks. There are a couple other just etiquette rapport building things that you'll pick up on. For example, like anytime you order a CT, always put in the clinical notes what their last EGFR was. Mm. It will almost never be relevant because most of them will be non-contrast CT, so who cares? But you find when you have that little bit of information without being asked, you've already built rapport with that CT reg that says yes or no to your scan. Mm. And speaking of scans, especially if it's... um you're on like on a short stay unit. So for example, I'm on acute medical. Sometimes people go home after like one to two days. A good thing to ask as you're finishing, like leaving that patient is to say to the boss, if that scan doesn't happen today, can it happen as an outpatient? Yep. Mm. Because for example, sometimes I can't do all the MRIs as an inpatient. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good point. And then that way, if it doesn't get done, you have a plan already. Yep. You basically want to troubleshoot yep. everything that might come up yes. so that you don't have to come back and ask yep. later. Final tips on scan on sort of a related note is often with stuff like CTs or MRIs, they often will put a priority to it. So, they say, yes, I'll do your scan. And in this time frame, one priority, one, two or three, one being roughly, I think that day, three being in the next couple of days. So, it's quite common example is the prioritizing of CT heads. My advice would be just leave it to the CT reg to make that call. So, if they've made it a priority three, even if you think it's priority one, just leave it be because they probably know what they're doing. And you can always go back later. And if they start crashing or whatever, or your consultant's like, oh, no, I wanted that happen today, then you go back to them. It's just not worth arguing the toss over because often they are correct in their assessment of so time frame. They will usually tell you what time frame they're going to do it in. They may, or they might just write a one, two, or three. Right. It also door. depends on the hospital. Yeah. So, like for example, my hospital, we do all our ordering online except for MRIs. You can split hand of Sure, so that you don't know what time frame it's going to be in. Yeah. Okay. But then yeah. that's where if it is someone you talk to, I just always ask. Yep. So when I hand over the MRI form, yes. it's usually to an MRI tech, and I was asking like. Oh, just like, so I can be aware what sort of time frame we're looking Yeah, good point. I always ask time frame as well. Mm. And you can always go back if your boss is like, what? That's a ridiculous time frame. 
then you're like, okay, no worries, sorry. Uh, that's just what they said. I'll go back and similar sort of thing is if you try your hardest to get the scan that your boss wants done, because admittedly, sometimes your boss orders a ridiculous scan for a ridiculous reason. Mm-hmm. And then you go there, you have a fight with the CT reg or the MRI reg and they call you ridiculous to your face and you fight it, but they're just not having a bar of it. Then you go back to your boss and you're like, oh, I'm really sorry, boss. I really tried, but they wouldn't do it. And they're like, oh, that's all right. I didn't think they would. <laughs> Has that happened to you? Well, that's why, that's why I often ask them how like important do you want this scan? Does it have to happen today? Is it okay if it happens tomorrow? Okay. And they're like, oh, it can happen tomorrow. Then you're like, okay, cool. All right, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my point is, you know, if you feel like you're hitting a brick wall for right or for wrong, probably just abort. Just say, no worries. I'll, that's fine. You don't want to do my scan? That's okay. I'll just um, have a chat again to my consultant and go from there. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back already. Oh, I can't wait to give this shoot. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Lamb, I'm here already. Whoa. <laughs> uh, strike that beer from the record. Uh, <laughs> that's the other thing. Sometimes you will lose the argument, go back to your consultant and they're like, no, I did want this scan. Tell them I want it today for this reason. And then when you go back with that reason, then they'll do it. And then you learn a bit as well for the next time. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. My final part of advice with regard to scans, but you could extrapolate this to the whole of internship, is with regard to the not in-person ordering. So trying to order stuff over the phone or electronically, sometimes it gets rejected. But bizarrely, when you go there in person, it magically gets accepted. Mm-hmm. So my my big advice to internship across the board for definitely with scans is if something gets rejected go there in person and plead your case with Mm -hmm. a smile and that will usually get it over the line it's bizarre how many times that's worked you can sometimes get away with it over the phone yeah absolutely but sometimes you get rejected in person is like better if you have time but also if you don't have time phone can work well yeah Yeah. there's times i've got rejected like absolutely not blah, blah 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 And I've gone and they've not realized they're the same person that they just rejected on the phone. And they're like, yeah, sure. And you're like, what? Yeah, absolutely. They just, I don't think it's anything personal. They just sort of just, they're now cognitively in a mindset that they're talking to a human being, not just an automated voice on the phone. Yeah. So that's pretty well all the most time sensitive priority things in internships. So if you could do that in that order, you pretty much are winning internship full stop. Mm -hmm. And this is the bizarre sort of, paradoxical part of internship everything thereafter is totally not time sensitive yep gel bloods reviews of patients because of some clinical concern they actually don't matter in the slightest in terms of time sensitivity there is no such thing as an urgent gel give me an example of an urgent gel there isn't one met call that's the only one but it's a met call so like you know different circumstance nobody ever died because you didn't put a gel in until four hours later and so that's pretty much internship. So literally in order of time sensitivity to win the game, in order to draw that's quite literally specialty consults first, mm-hmm. discharge, comma, radar chart, mm-hmm. zones and review of meds, and then ordering scans. And those are the actual time sensitive stuff. Everything else you can do in whatever order you choose. So, if there's no questions about that, let's move on to basically how actually, because that's keeping everybody else happy. It's now about keeping you happy and having the what you can get the most out of internship. Actually, 
if you sum up how to get the most clinical experience and bang for buck clinically out of your internship and how to get the best references, they actually align quite well if you think about it. So in terms of how to get the most from internships, so how to look after yourself, what do you reckon the two most bang for buck learning experiences you will have on the day-to-day in your internship will be? So in what forms will you learn the most, do you think, in, over, over the course of your internship, doing what things? Don't perceive yourself. So they are quite literally seeing patients in ED because if you're seeing them in ED, you're pretty much the first person seeing them because unfortunately in internship, lots of interns get caught in the trap that the only time they ever see patients is when five other doctors have already seen and worked them up. So all they literally are doing are the paperwork and the phone calls from them, okay? So they are seeing patients in ED and then what other form might you be the first person to see this patient in the hospital? It's outpatient clinic, isn't it? Mm. Because that will be the first time they're in the hospital when they've come in for their appointment, okay? So, therefore, in terms of your own learning and clinical experience, those are probably the two most areas where you'll readily get the most learning from your internship experience. Mm. Therefore, in terms of looking out for yourselves, other than getting paid on time, your (laughs) priority is to get as much emergency time as possible and as much clinic time as possible because that's where you will truly learn, okay? How to do that? Well, actually, that's what we talked about before. Make sure you get all the time-sensitive stuff Mm. and then because you'll find lots of interns like, oh, I never had any time to do that. It's silly talk, okay? You do have time. You just have to make it because there'll never be enough hours in the day. So, basically, it should be in the process of make sure you've done the time-sensitive stuff first so that's discharges, scans and consults. And then before you look at all the Delcos and the discharge summaries and the patient reviews and nurse calls, that's when you go to clinical ED, mm. okay? The third one, but it is a bit team dependent for obvious reasons is theater, mm. okay? Because in terms of procedural stuff, that's where you will get to take out kids' tonsils or do like skin lesions and blah, 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 is in theater. And a lot of interns will say like, I never got a chance to go to theater. Well, you make the time, okay? <laughs> So, basically, I would do all the time-sensitive stuff first and then I would give the reg a call or, or preempt and, you know, before they duck off the theater or wherever they're about to go, say like, okay, where are you going now? Okay, I'm just going to finish off the ward jobs and I'll give you a call, okay? And then you basically, once you've sorted out all the time-sensitive stuff, you call out the reg and say, it's almost a white lie. It's like, oh, yeah, I've totally got nothing to do right now. That's a lie. You do, but you've got nothing time-sensitive to do. I've got nothing to do right now. Can I help you out in ED? You in ED? Oh, can I come help you? You're in clinic? Oh, can I come help you? Are you in theater or like, you know, they're going to theater. I'm just going to go to theater and check it out. Okay. So I would encourage you with every unit, at least to get one or two sessions of clinic and one or two sessions in ED in no matter what team you're in. Well, sorry, as relevant, obviously, if you're an AMU and ED, there's obviously no clinic or whatever. Mm. Okay. Onto that, sometimes something I found useful is when you call another team for a console. And if you happen to be there when their reg yes. comes, Ask to join their console. Yep. Mm. Yep. Because then you can, because often, say if you're on like a certain like specialty. Good point. You often have to call the same like other specialty for mm. issues. So for example, in cardiology, all the patients had AKIs. We'll die a reason them like heck. <laughs> we'll give them all the nephrotoxics. And we often have to call like the renal people for patients mm. that were kind of similar and so what I found useful was like when the renal reg came, be like, can I come sit in with you? Yep. Or like, can I come? And then you learn and then you also learn what yes. they want to know. Yes, mm. yes. And then you also learn what they want to know. So when you call them next time, yep. it's like less hard for you to call. And then also, that. if you're in a small enough hospital, then they can like remember you sometimes. Mm. Yeah. 
if you Good especially if you keep calling them then yep. yeah yeah exactly right good point and the beauty of it is actually when you make the time for it, emergency and clinic is actually one of the easiest jobs but so bang for buck because what are you actually doing in emergency or clinic the same stuff you're doing as a student you're parallel yeah. consulting there's no pressure at all. Like you don't have to, and you, you're just super numerary. So it looks awesome. You build sweet rapport with your regs and your bosses. You're like, wow, that person was so helpful. They help see clinic patients, but it actually, you're not doing a whole lot that's taxing other than learning mm. and building rapport points for learning. Mm-hmm. How amazing. Um, theater, it's a tricky one because theater, it is a bit of a mixed bag. How much you will actually take away from theater unless you're actually the one operating, which, you know, isn't always as an intern. Okay, but I will say when you go to surgical unit, make it to theater, even if it's once or twice in the rotation, even if you feel like you've got nothing out of it other than to be seen, you have to do it because who does your end of term assessment on a surgical team? It's the surgeon. (laughs) Where are they always? They're never on the wards. They wouldn't have a clue who's on the wards or who does what on the wards. The only time they'll know that you exist is if you go to theater. So, you'll get a gauge for that pretty quick whether you're actually going to learn something in theatre or not. But even if you feel like you're not, go to theatre. So, those for your point of view actually as an internship should be what your internship's made out of. Going to ED and admitting patients, going to the clinic and seeing how to solve, you know, problems in that specialty. And that's how you actually learn. And also number three plus or minus theatre, even if it's for sort of charisma points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final rapport building tips are... Always go to coffee. Mm -hmm. Always go to team coffee, even though you don't drink coffee. (laughs) And when the reg (laughs) offers to buy you coffee or just turns around like, okay, what are you having? And it's kind of implicitly that he's going to pay for it. Just let them or else it's too awkward. Mm -hmm. The most awkward thing you could do would be like, I'm good. I've just had a coffee. Even if you've just had a coffee, order anything else. Oh, look, I'm good. I've just had a coffee. I'll just have a juice. Just like order something or else it's too awkward. The other thing that's increasing now is a lot of teams use like group WhatsApps. Mm. Oh yeah, they're really that's useful um, rapport building, and also like communication wise. And also, I mean it's up to you, but like sometimes I'll be like coffee, and then someone will see you might offer to pay, but then sometimes like I like or in person I'll offer to pay, like be like oh shall I order the coffee, and then let someone else shout me down, but then they're like oh hey yeah, let's offer the buy. Or if you feel like, okay, it's probably my term. It's been like 50 you and one me. Yeah. Just jog to, this, <laughs> jog to the counter and they'll think it's funny. But then too bad now that you have no choice. You're the one paying. <laughs> yeah, you can do that cute little thing where you fight for the pay wave thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Moral story jog. Yeah. <laughs> I never jog. <laughs> I just look flustered and then people help me. <laughs> Even though I'm not actually flustered. <laughs> Put a lot of flash on. Yeah. Final thing that we haven't talked about, but is so, so, so crucial to your life, day-to-day annoyances, and then also your assessments is discharge summaries. Mm -hmm. So, that is the bane of intern's existence, mainly because it's just not taught very well how to do one in medical school. So, again, we're right back to the most important part is the plan. Mm -hmm. Literally, if you write nothing else but the plan, it's still a valid discharge summary pretty much, okay? You get much more appreciation for it as a GP, because a number of times, like, I don't even read this. And in fact, this is kind of making me angry how much you've put into this because they're like, day one, they did this. Day two, they had a fever. But day three, the fever went away. So, it was probably nothing. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I would rather you just put it to me quicker, literally just with it. Uh, that's the other hot tip. 
Don't write in sentences. Do not write in sentences. There's no point. And to be honest, it just makes me angry on the other end. <laughs> the uh, other thing as well is you want to write a decent summary because there's two audiences. There's the GP and then there's you for when it's a failed discharge and then they get re... Or like it's a sick... It's like a person with a million problems, like a gender patient and they represent to the hospital like a month later. So on that note, again, the most important point is the plan. But at the same time, your format might change because that's the thing. If it's a gen med patient, they probably have like eight different issues. So I find, you, do you do the same thing with gen med discharge summaries? Hashtags? Yeah. So problem one, and this is the management of problem one, then problem two in the next paragraph, then problem three, problem four. I tend to do that just inherently. Let's talk about what you don't have to put in the discharge summary, which actually ends up being mind blowing when you talk about it out loud. Okay. Mm-hmm. Me personally, when I do discharge summaries, I literally just write admitted for this diagnosis got better with this treatment, but not even specifically what treatment and then plan, which is the most important part. And that's where I'll put the most detail. Okay. So as an example, I'll literally put admitted for, I don't even put 59 year old man because that's on the demographics at the top of the Oasis sheet anyway. Okay. So I'll literally just write admitted for community acquired pneumonia resolved with IV antibiotics plan is this. Okay. People waste too much time going like admitted for pneumonia characterized by cough, fever. who cares? That literally adds nothing to the summary because duh, of course, they had a pneumonia. Of course, they came in with fever and cough and blah, blah, blah. I do that if they present it in the classical way of that thing. Correct. So, I'd be like, admitted to AMU for pneumonia as an inpatient, the following issues were addressed. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, exactly. Good, 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 good. Although, I do I slightly disagree, but I kind of like having the profile because especially for gen med patients, it gives you like a sense of them and then you don't have to dig around and ask the patient later. Fair point. I'll pay that because it probably only costs you another five seconds to write and read their 59-year-old person from home. The exception to don't bother writing any of their symptoms or signs would be if they had an atypical presentation, Mm -hmm. then I would do it. Like presented as a migraine, presenting as chest pain. Like, well, that's obviously a weirdo example. That's probably not true. But like, you know, you get my point. If it's a atypical, that might catch the next person out. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Similarly, I really don't care what happened on the wards. I don't even care what antibiotic you put them on. It's only if it's something that you think will help the next guy. So, a lot of exceptions to these rules are psych. Psych patients, I will traditionally write came in with this presenting complaint because you know mania can be different with different things or like what delusions so i know what is their classic delusion blah 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 and then also in terms of what to use well you know with psych it's all trial and error so that is very important information what i tried them on on the ward because that will help the next guy not do that if that didn't work this time around okay Mm -hmm. but for stuff like a pneumonia i won't even say what antibiotic who cares what do you care so that's discharge summary. So don't write in full sentences. Don't write about their symptoms or signs. <laughs> don't write about anything that happened on the ward other than I literally roughly did this to make them better. And the most important point is the plan. Also, uh, write the summary of the key finding if you are going to write it. Yeah. Like they were clinically fluid overloaded. Didn't tell me they're pinning edema yes. and they had a very oh JDP and high pressures. I was like, yeah. you're obviously alluding to the fact that they were overloaded yeah, and getting yeah, yeah. diarrhea's like exactly. 10 liters out of them. And part of, I that is- that I and part of that is the really bad way we're taught in medical school because we're brought up from young pups to like, you know, presenting complaint, past medical history, then only then exams, then only then management. You have to write the discharge summary from the point of somebody who is writing from the end of the tale. So, literally spoil the ending right from the start. Came in with pneumonia. Don't have to say, describe. Yeah. The exception to the rule, obviously, is if it's something that happened in the ward that might trip the next person up. Like, mm. had an anaphylactic reaction to dot, dot, dot on the ward. They would want to know about that. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, just clinical signs that there's, that's their baseline that actually looks terrible, but is actually their norm. 
Like I've got a couple of patients that put Lincoln and for whatever re- weird reason, they always sat at 70, even though they're completely well. And Oh my God. Yeah. That's terrifying. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. But that pays to go on a discharge summary so the next person doesn't go like, oh crap, they're at 70. Now they're having a PE. Let's zap them in the chest again. Mm. Cool. Well, that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of the internship. I hope that was kind of helpful. Yeah, really. Any other questions? If not, we will call it an end to this episode. I have other thoughts of internship, but we can save it for another episode. Okay. Anything you want to say, like, to set the scene? <laughs> uh, I guess it's like things yeah. that- The season cliffhanger. Mm. I think one really important thing is knowing your limits. Mm. Because I find that some of the notorious interns are like the unsafe ones, at least in my hospital. Yeah. And they're the ones who go the rogue, the, the rogue yeah. interns. Yeah. And then they do stuff yeah. and then they create problems later on because they've done yeah. something without anyone's supervision or discussing yeah. it. And yeah. most people are like, oh, yeah, I remember internship being like scary. It's also like the most supported time in your mm. medical career because everyone assumes that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and even if it's like relatively late in the year and you're like, I need like some kind of ask you some advice, most people will give you advice. Mm. And that's where like, and there's always going to be a direct supervisor. So you should find out for like whichever shift or rotation you're on, like who's the next up RMO or whatever. And then you can at least like... Mm. And then even if you don't need them to see your patient, then you can at least run, be like, oh, by the way, I saw this person earlier and then I did this. Is that like, does that sound reasonable? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then also it's really good for the documentation when you document specifically like discussed with X. Good point. On a related note, just final ending words is be very careful. This in terms of sort of danger, dangerous elements around the place, be very careful of each other. Mm-hmm. because we've been trained from first year to compare ourselves to each other mm. and tell war stories and sort of implicitly say how awesome we are because nobody ever told the story to another colleague of the same level of, I felt really out of my depth and cried in the corner and left the story at that. It's usually I felt all that and then I did this and it was awesome. So be very careful because you can't help by comparing because you know there'll be many people in your cohort even in the internship that will just do that off the cuff every time you hang out with them and then you can't help but let that emotionally seep inside you. So don't like be very careful about easier said than done, but be very careful about subconsciously comparing yourselves to the next guy, particularly if the next guy talks about all his war stories. Yeah. I think the culture's improving. I think so too. I think in the last five years, like in general, medical culture and talking about things and then talking when you're out of your depth has become more, because even like non-interns, I find are talking more about that. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, it's still, it's still there. Just like a lot of the bullying culture and a lot of the, (laughs) I've worked in underpaid culture, but anyway. Mm. Cool. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Lamb. Music by Nathan Huiyi. Happy to say she still is mine.